Have you ever been angry? Well, if you have, in the Gospel reading today, Jesus tells us that we are committing murder. Have you ever been lustful of someone? If we have, Jesus Christ tells us in the Gospel reading today that we have committed adultery. Have we ever coveted something that is not ours? What I mean by that is, did we ever want something of someone else's possessions? Maybe their home, maybe their car. We desired something that was not ours, and it led to jealousy. Have we ever felt that way before? In the Gospel reading, Jesus today tells us that we have committed thievery, we have stolen. Now, the relationship that Christ demonstrates here seems impractical, that murder and anger would be on the same plane, or that lustful thoughts and adultery would be on the same plane that covetousness and thievery would be on the same plane. But Jesus is attempting to make a point to each and every single one of us today, that we have to lay down our pride, our arrogance, and as I have said before, our self-absorbed thoughts, our ideas that we have kept all these obligations that the church has required and therefore I am this good person. Jesus Christ demolishes those ancient ideas and He brings forth something that is totally radical. And He says, if you ever thought lustfully, you're an adulterer. If you've ever been angry, you're a murderer. If you've ever been jealous or coveted something of someone else's, you are a thief. Radical teaching means that we have to be radical Christians, willing to make changes in our life. He does this because we need first and foremost humility in our lives. I find that we have a difficult time relating ourselves with this passage because we have a lack of humility. God wants each and every single one of us to have the virtue of humility in our Christian life. And it is only through humility that pride can be set apart, that anger will be set apart, that lustful thoughts be set apart, that jealousy be set apart, and all the sins, the plethora of the list is many, but we can lay them aside and fight the good fight of faith if we are able to imbibe in our Christian life the virtue of humility. When you watch the news and you see the murderer, 
You might see someone committing a crime. You might hear about someone committing adultery. You might hear about someone who has stolen something. We often say, myself included, I can't believe he did something like that. Or we might say, that's not me. But the point here is that we have to come to a place of humility to understand that we could be like that. That we could become like that. Not only that, but everyone is a sinner in the eyes of God. We should not separate the murderer or the adulterer or the thief from our league. We are in the same league. We're playing in the same ballpark. Why? All have fallen short of the glory of God. No, not one is righteous in the eyes of God, says the Bible. And if that is the case, you, my dear friend, myself included, all the bishops, all the saints, all the priests, all the deacons, everyone gathered here, all the Christians in the world, we are sinners. We are the murderers. We are the criminals. We are the ones who have committed theft. We are the ones who have committed adultery. No one is kept outside of this sinful box. Each and every single one of us is guilty as charged. And so therefore, there is only one man that can release us from this guilt. That he can take away our sins. That he can bring us to a place of restoration, a place of glory and honor. And his name is Jesus Christ. He died for your sins. He died for my sins. And he shed his blood for you and for me so that we can become right in the eyes of God the Father. So that he could set a bridge from earth to heaven and so that we can walk on that bridge of the cross and enter into the gates of heaven and say, my Lord and my God, receive me in the name of Jesus Christ. You and I, in ourselves, have no right to go into the presence of God. Murderers, thieves, adulterers, extortioners, no right in the eyes of God. You can keep all your obligations. You can take all the sacraments. You can say all the prayers. But in the end of the day, without Jesus Christ, we're lost, but we are in Christ. Therefore, there is the resurrection of our soul. There is the restoration of our minds and of our bodies. So therefore, you and I, who are sitting here today, must be humble, must prostrate ourselves before the presence of God, and not like the Pharisee who enters the temple and says, thank you for not making me like them, but like the sinner saying, Lord, have mercy on me. That's the whole point here that Jesus is making. Because he knows the people that he's talking to, their hearts are like stone. And God wants to take the heart of stone out of you and put a heart of flesh. And what is required here is for each and every one of us in our sinful nature to get help.
How do you get that? By talking to your priest. By receiving counseling from your priest. By receiving confession from your priest. By receiving counsel from a good clinical counselor or clinical therapist. And this is all done within the realm of the Christian church. See, if we think that habitual sin is okay, we got problems. Habitual sin is not okay. A Christian cannot live in habitual sin because habitual sin will eventually lead to destruction in our lives. And so therefore, it is our calling, our great need to fast, to pray, to seek help. Why? So that we can unpack what's wrong with us. You see, everyone grew up in this world. No one came from another world. We might have had issues with our parents. We might have had relationships growing up that negatively impacted us. We might have had abusive experiences, verbally or physically. Sometimes what happens throughout life is that we tuck it under the rug and we say, you know what, I got it. I'm good. I'm okay. I, I, I'm just going to keep going, keep going. But if you keep going, eventually we're going to break down. Why? Because any of those situations that are negative, that have impacted our life, even traumatic situations, if we tuck it under the rug, eventually it will surface one day in our life. And that is why I am saying that we need to receive the sacraments of the church. We need to receive the counsel of the church. And when we receive the counsel of the church, out of love, out of humility, not by obligation, then what begins to happen is that we begin to change. We begin to become restored. That unpacking helps us deal with our sinful behavior. Christians are not called to live in sin. We're called to live victoriously. We're called to live in prosperity, not poverty. We're called to live in the richness of God. We're called to live peaceful and happy lives. But because of our sinful condition, because we do not have that humility, and because we see other people as different than us, we judge them. We don't see ourselves like them, love them, care for them, pray for them. We eventually in our own life will end up in a position where we need God. How many of you need God today? I know I do. I know that I haven't been perfect. And I know that I haven't been sinless. I'm not telling you that you can't, you know, you can't sin. But let's say that if we fall into sin, we need to ask God for forgiveness. And if you find yourself in habitual sin, this is a time for you to put that over to God and ask Him to show you the light so that you can receive the help that you need. We all need help. We all do. And that's why we're here. The church is a hospital. The church is a hospital. Not a museum. Not a concert. Not a perfect place. 
but a place for broken people like me to come here and to receive the grace and mercy of God. You are forgiven. You are restored. You are redeemed. And God is going to help you today. Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Jesus, we just come before you right now knowing that if we come before your mercy seat, that we will receive forgiveness, mercy, and grace. I pray for all the families that are gathered here. I pray, Lord, for their struggles, their challenges, their hardships, and their trials. That they be given the grace and mercy to go through them and to receive your blessings by and through those challenges, trials, tribulations, and difficulties that they face. Deliver to each and every single one of them full forgiveness of all their sins. Help them see that they need to stretch out their hand and ask for help. And that none of us are perfect, but you, O oh Lord Jesus Christ, you are perfect. You are good. And in this we rest our head. We have peace. We have joy and happiness, knowing that you are our Lord God and our Savior, that you will guide us, guard us, and protect us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.